It's that time of the week again, ladies and gentlemen. It is the 3 and D podcast. We are a part of the Grizzly Bear Blues network of podcasts on SB Nation. As always, you can find us on Twitter at 3 and D pod, and you can find Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies. Uh, we are currently in a, in a series about uh, draft prospects, and as we know, we are in position right now to finally get rid of the Jeff Green pick to the Boston Celtics that we have owed for however long that Chris Wallace just destroyed us with. We are going to get off of it this year in a weak draft. It couldn't come at a better time. So this year we're looking at only having a second round pick, which is, uh, you know, you can find a, a Nikolai Jokic um, or somebody crazy in the second round uh, sneak up and surprise you. So we're going through those uh, at SBN. Uh, Grizzlies and uh, my piece that's coming out with this podcast is on a guy that I think is being overlooked um, who will most likely go undrafted and maybe fall in the shoes of uh, his former teammate Terrence Davis and that's Brian Tyree all right so I want to bring somebody on with us uh, for this podcast that is um, maybe a little bit familiar with with Tyree um, from watching him and I have with me Grayson Weir from Red Cup Rebellion Podcast. Grayson, what's up, man? How are we doing, Justin? You know, just staying safe, washing our hands, uh, trying to get outside a little bit, enjoy this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Glad you could hop on. And it was short notice. If you guys uh, obviously won't know that, I, I asked him yesterday if he could <laughs> hop on today, and, and he was more than willing, so I appreciate that. Uh, Grayson, tell everybody where they can find your work, uh, kind of what you do at Red Cup, and uh, we'll, we'll roll from there. Absolutely. I'm one of uh, three, four guys at RedCupRebellion.com. We are all Ole Miss. We were a bunch of idiots that are delightfully witty per the Jackson uh, Free Press. So, you know, SB Nation, we like to have fun, um, see what's going on with everything, anything Ole Miss. You can find me on Twitter at G-S-O-N-J-W. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everything Ole Miss and, and – uh, Brian Tyree is one of them. Right. So let's let's get into that. Um, you know, he's he's nowhere on the mock drafts that I'm seeing um, in the top 60. Um, and so let me just throw this first question at you. Why do you think he is not getting any love on these mock drafts? So it starts with, the, I mean, the class is pretty deep this year. Uh, comparatively to some of the years prior, there's a, there's a lot of, really talented guys that are coming out um, for this draft class, especially in the guard um, area. The issue with Brian, it starts off the top. I mean, he's a true point guard. So in a league where you're moving away from point guard center, small forward, power forward center, and moving towards one, two, three, four, five, um, Brian can only play the one. They almost forced him into a two spot, um, more of a shooting guard role on occasion throughout the season but he really truly is a scoring first point guard. Um, you have a couple questions maybe with his size and his durability, just in the fact that it says he's 6'2". He does not – he's probably not 6'2". Um, he's probably a little smaller, playing right around six foot, um, I believe. And then, you know, he's not someone who can get in there and throw his body around. So the issue with Brian is um, – you know, you don't know what you're going to get from him when he translates to the next level from a size and stature and ability to play up to the league 
standpoint. Um, that being said, whoever gets his hands on, whoever gets their hands on Brian Tyree uh, is going to get a nice little, probably undrafted free agent signing steal. Yeah, I think so too. So my my first thoughts on why he wasn't going was number one, his size. Um, it, I'm looking on SportsReference.com and it says he's six two, one ninety five, and I would never have guessed him to be six two. Um, so I one ninety five soaking wet. Yeah. So um, now that's he could put on some weight in the NBA. That's totally possible. Um, but that's definitely on the upper part of what he probably actually is. And then the fact that he's a senior. Um, we know how much the NBA and the GMs love to take the young guys, the, the one and dones. Um, mm-hmm. But we've also seen those, those four-year guys, three- and four-year guys come out and make immediate impacts much quicker um, than some of these younger guys. Like Dylan Brooks came out um, and has produced very well for the Grizzlies. Um, Draymond Green came out from Michigan State and produced very well very quickly. Um, I, you know, I, I do agree with you that somebody that picks him up, whether it's late, late in the second round or as a undrafted free agent, may have a, a steal on their hands. And here's why. You say he's a score-first point guard, and that's true because this year he averaged almost 20 points and only two assists. Um, so he's, he's definitely on, on the court to score. But he has this killer mentality that I've seen at times to put the ball in the bucket whenever he wants, and that's why I think he's – you know, at least something to look at as a project. Granted, he's a senior, he's older, so they don't really want those guys as as projects going forward. So next question for you, as somebody that's that's watched Brian closely, um, what what would he bring to an NBA team? Like, why should he be taken in the second round? Why should a team take a chance on him? Brian Tyree is someone who just busts his tail all day, every day, every play, he's hustling. This guy he came in um, out of New Jersey, came south, kind of unknown uh, in the college basketball world. Nobody really knew what they were getting with Brian. Um, kind of the Ole Miss world knew that they were getting a good, a good ball player, but he didn't really come on until his upperclassman years. You know, as a freshman, I, I don't think he averaged more than 10 minutes a game and then slowly kind of gained – uh, prominence throughout his three years, played second fiddle to Terrence Davis um, his junior year. And then senior year when Davis left, it was Brian's game. I mean, it was it, the Ole Miss Rebels lived and died with Brian Tyree. When Brian was playing well, the team was playing well. When Brian was scoring, the team was scoring. When Brian, when the team wasn't playing well, Brian was able to put the team on his back and bring them out of the ashes and drop upwards. I think his career high might be in the 40s, um, at least the late, you know, 36, 37, 38. I think he had 42 one game. Um, but he's someone who can just turn it on. Um, there's a lot of times where he'll start cold, maybe has to feel out his um, defensive matchups. But he's somebody that a team's going to get their hands on him. And like you said, you know, some of these guys don't want – some of these teams don't want project players that are older. That being said, Breen is a project in refinement. He's not a project in he has to learn the game. There are a lot of guys who, you know, you take a chance on in the late second round or as, an, uh, as a free agent signing after the draft where you have to help them learn the game. You have to learn with fundamentals. You have to work through the technique. Breen doesn't need any learning. He doesn't need 
really any growth. He just needs refinement. He just needs to get into the right system that makes sense for him. That's another thing. Brian's someone who, you know, as a point guard, a true point guard, he cannot play as a shooting guard. He's a true point guard. He needs to get into a system where he's able to play alongside other guys. He, in college, he was the primary showstopper. In the pros, he needs a system around him. And a team that gets his hand on is get someone that just balls to the wall every play. I mean, willing to just get dirty, willing to throw his body around on defense, even though he's undersized. Um, it's a real opportunity to get your hands on a player who showed what he can do in college. You have question marks as to whether he translates to the NBA, but if he translates to the NBA, it's, I mean, it's a situation like Terrence Davis Jr. with the Raptors where you get a guy who's willing to pour their heart into the game and is just going to shine if the opportunity is presented. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. You were uh, just to back up what you said about um, him coming on in his upperclassman years. Um, his freshman year, he did play 19 minutes a game, um, but he only scored seven points a game. Um, he only got like four shots a game. And then sophomore year, he's playing 25 minutes and he's getting 10 points a game. And then junior year is when the jump happens. He's getting 33 minutes a game and he's scoring 18. And then his senior year this past year, he's getting 34 minutes and he's scoring 20. Um, there's something to be said about a guy who leads one of the top basketball conferences in the, in the nation in scoring. Like, Absolutely. The dude has to be able to be a ball player to be able to lead – the SEC in scoring. Um, that's not something to just look over um, and, and just, as, oh, you know, he can't play because he's, you know, six foot tall or he's a senior, so he's not going to get much better. Like, the dude clearly knows how to play basketball. Um, something that I love looking at his advanced stats, his, his box plus minus in his junior and senior year alone was 5.2 and 5.5. Like, you like that. He clearly makes an impact when he's on the floor. Like, your team is five points better when this guy touches the floor. Now, most of that is because offensively, like, he's a, he's a 4.5 offensive box plus minus and a 4.6. Um, so, he's, his defensive, you know, plus minus. He only had one year when he was a negative on the defensive side, and that was his sophomore year, and it was by point one. Um, so, some of that – has to do with probably who his competition was in the SEC. Like, I don't know who the – was it De'Aaron Fox probably he had to go up against a couple times, you know, right. in 2017, 2018. All right, you know, we get it. Um, but even when, the, when it comes down to having to play tougher competition. So, his senior year he averages 19.7, but when conference play rolled around, 17 games of conference play he averaged 22.2 points on 40% from downtown and 45 overall. Like, not only does he put the ball in the – Yeah, like, he's efficient. Like, he is a career 35, 36% three-point shooter. A career uh, – we'll take away his freshman year when it comes to um, his field goal percentage because he probably had big eyes on the stage. So, his sophomore year, he shot 40% from the field. Junior year, he's shooting 46 and senior year, he's shooting 43, but he's, he's taking a lot more shots senior year being the guy. So, like, it's obvious the kid is an, he's gifted offensively. And I think something, too, that people don't think about as much, and I believe GMs probably do hit on this, 
he grew up around a professional athlete his entire life. Sure did. His uncle, David Tyree, the famous Super Bowl catch where SNL had the Justin Timberlake sticking the gum to the helmet. Like, <laughs> that famous catch that led the Eli Manning and the, and the New York Giants to take down the, the evil empire of the New England Patriots. That's his uncle. Yeah. Like, he's, he's been around – like, he's going to know how to be a professional earlier on. Same thing with we've seen with Jaron Jackson Jr. His dad was a pro. Like, Jaron came in as a rookie and had the work ethic that he needed because he knows what it takes. And I think Brian's going to be the same way. He's going to know what it takes. But he's going to have that drive that Terrence Davis had to prove people wrong as well. What do you, what do you think about that? That's – I mean, that's – you couldn't have said it better myself. You know, he's someone who we've seen he knows how to act. He knows how to carry himself on the court. He knows how to carry himself off the court. There's a couple times where he would get down um, just because maybe his team around him wasn't giving him a chance to win games. Um, but that was something we saw, you know, early in the senior year. By the end of the senior year, once Ole Miss was pretty much out of postseason contention, Brian actually became a better leader than he was in the first half of the year. He knows when to get his guys together. He knows how to talk them through Difficult situations, uh, talking through pressure. You could see him a lot of times on the court, um, coaching the younger guys through transition offense, telling them where to move. Um, and as much as we say, you know, he only averaged, what, two assists per game, uh, 2.2 or something like that, um, which you wouldn't typically expect from a point guard. He actually gets less credit than he deserves in a ball movement standpoint. Yes, a lot of the time he wasn't, you know, the assist guy who was finding people in the lane like Steve Nash. But he knows when to get rid of the ball. He knows when to send it around the arc. He knows – he has a very good vision for the game and a good mindset when it comes to seeing the floor. And now this might be a stretch because they're two different sports. Um, but going, growing up around David Tyree, um, and he and his cousin are very close, um, growing up around someone like that, you learn how to see the court, see the field, see the game a little bit differently than someone like you or I, who I don't have a pro athlete talking in my ear, telling me what to see, what to listen, how to view the game. We just see it as analysts, spectators, journalists, what have you. Um, I, think, I think he's someone who grew a lot over the course of his four years but was already grown coming into college, if that makes sense. You know, he, he was older and more mature and a lot wiser than a lot of these other freshmen that were coming in and get swallowed up in the SEC in, in their first, second, even third years. Sometimes it takes three years for a guy to come on. Brian came on, like you said, pretty much his sophomore year. Um, and then really broke out even more as he got older. And when a team looks at someone like Brian, they might see somebody who, again, we've said it before, we'll say it again, who may not translate. But like you said, you can't negate the fact that he was the SEC's leading scorer in points per game. I think he was actually technically second behind the dude from Arkansas, uh, Jones, I think it was who got injured like halfway through the season. So his points per game just like stuck and Brian ended up averaging like 21.2. And then the dude from Arkansas finished with like 21.3, something like that. But Brian Tyree was the leading points per game score in the SEC 
like with an asterisk, I guess, if you will. And you can't overlook that as a GM. You can't overlook that as an organization for somebody who isn't like, you know, Marshall Henderson, who might've been the league's leading scorer. Actually, I don't even think he was, but puts up a lot of points and is just loose, raw, whatever word you might want to use for someone like Marshall Henderson. Brian Tyree is mature. He's intelligent. He sees the floor. He knows when to dish. He knows when to dunk. He knows when to drive. And another thing that I love about him personally, I think it's probably his best quality, actually, is just his pure athletic ability to run the floor. Ole Miss, um, under Andy Kennedy, yes, but even more so under Kermit Davis. Kermit Davis, they love to, to spread the floor, run the floor, transition offense, you know, go, 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 go. Breen is phenomenal on a fast break. He, if he's not – you know, the first one down the court ready to lay it in off of a, uh, you know, a deep ball. He's the one leading the charge, finding somebody in space, maybe finding someone in the other corner who then oftentimes find Brian back because Brian will pass the corner and he's so good moving without the ball that then he doesn't get credit for the quote-unquote assist because he's actually the open man in the paint after dishing it off. Um I mean, he's a, he's a really good overall player that just needs to grow. He just needs a little bit – he's obviously not getting any bigger size-wise, but he needs to play up to that level. Yeah, uh, and something that I think is overlooked with him too is is he also gets four rebounds a game. He gets uh, almost a steal and a half a game. Like He's stuffing the stat sheet – you know, and more than just filling it up like Marshall Henderson was, I'm going to shoot and that's it. Like, and right. even kind of Stefan Moody at times was just, I'm going to fill it up and that's about all you're going to get out of me. Absolutely. Um, but with with Tyree, he's putting 20 in the bucket, but he's also getting four rebounds and he's dishing it and he's and he's playing defense. Now, I want to discuss the assist numbers for a second because I think what what the average fan of basketball and maybe even the the above average fan of basketball kind of forget about is that there's a lot of zone defense played in college basketball. So right. when there's when there's zone defense, the ball's got to be moved multiple times. And so there's no stat for the fact that Tyree made the right pass in the zone that maybe led to the to the pass that got the shot. So Exactly. And so when you're in the NBA, the pick and roll, the man to man, like most of the time when you drive and dish, you're getting the assist and there's not the hockey assist. Like I'd be curious to see how many hockey assists um, Tyree actually has accrued over his career. Then, on on top of that, from what I saw this year with his Ole Miss team was that it seemed kind of young. They didn't really gel that great. And so, how many missed shots were there on Tyree passes as well? Um, <laughs> Probably a good bit. Yeah. So, I think the assist numbers lie a little bit. Um, I think you could definitely see those go up in the NBA, um, especially since he's not going to be able to drop 20 a game being six feet tall. Now, he could. I, you know, Terrence Davis is doing way more than anybody ever expected him to do in the NBA. Um, so Tyree could follow suit. But I, I, I could see Tyree, you know, eight points and four rebounds in, in 10 to 15 minutes in a game and, and making a difference off the bench in, in that way. Um, but I do think that the, the assist numbers aren't as accurate as um, the stats may tell. That's one of those deals where you can't always rely on the box score and the stats. The eye test matters too. Um, and I agree with you. That dude's a freak athlete. Um, 
he's not one of those below the rim players that you you know mm-hmm. are going to stay below the rim. Um, I I just did um, a draft profile on Emmanuel quickly, and the and the the knock on him is that he's not you know jumping off the gym and doing all that. Tyree's a freak, um, and <laughs> and that dude he's quick. Um, and that being six feet, he's kind of got a lower center of gravity. He can move a little bit better than some guys. Um, I just don't think that he's going to be physically intimidated in the NBA. You know, the name of the game in today's NBA is get out and run and score the ball. There's not a lot of defense being played. It's, you know, how can we put the most points in the bucket tonight? And he can put points on the board, man. Like, I just don't understand why he's not top 60. Um, so, yeah. I think I think some of the things that might hurt him are being on a team where he didn't get to, you know, distribute as much because he had to score a lot. And like you said, I was trying to get at it, but you actually said it far better than I did. I'd be curious to see how many hockey assists he had in his career because he's one of the guys where right, the eye test. You have to you have to see him play and look beyond the scoreboard, look beyond the stat sheet for his intangibles. And you mentioned he's someone that, you know, at six foot, call it six two because that's what the roster says, but more like six foot. Um, he plays above the rim and he can finish with either hand. So he, he absorbs contact really well. He can kind of make adjustments on the move. Um, if, he, if he's going left and then needs to come finish with his right hand, he can do it. Flip the script, he can do it. He's somebody who's not going to just get caught in a corner or get caught on the drive and kind of freeze up and have to, you know, force an ill-advised pass. He can finish with both hands. And in most situations where he really made his money this year um, as a senior, and I mean that both figuratively, actually, and probably literally, knowing that old man <laughs> probably helping him out, um, but if getting rim is into the getting to the rim is not an option, he's really good at at he has quick hands, he has really good agility, um, great dribble moves, and he'll pull away and hit a step back from the elbow or hit a step back from the baseline. Or in some instances, he might even take you know an initial step to drive, see that the defense is crashing in, hit a step back three. So if he has someone who plays above the rim he's able to also stay on the floor and just execute incredibly well. Yeah, I can recall just like a mental picture in my head right now of the numerous pull-up jumpers from the elbow that I've seen him take and just mm-hmm. drill. I mean, you were never – you never expected him to miss that shot. Um, so, for, for Grizzlies fans, um, somebody that you guys may not be aware of uh, in high school, there was a player ranked higher than Zion and Ja Morant that played with the two of them. And that was Devontae Shuler. <laughs> and it, I think some of the assist numbers were taken away from Tyree because Shuler carried the ball up a lot. This seemed like he this did. season. Um, and so that kind of runs the numbers in a different way as well. So here's where I think um, his success can be found in the NBA. And I'm going to let you kind of, say where you think he can be most successful and what you think about what I'm about to say. So let's put him on the Grizzlies. John Morant is 
obviously you're starting point guard playing 30 plus minutes a game. So then you're, you're bringing Tyus Jones off the bench for the next two years uh, as your backup point guard, who's not really the guy that's going to go out there and get buckets. Tyus controls the pace, controls the game. I think that there is a chance that off the bench, a three guard lineup with Tyus and somebody like Brian, and then you've got like Grayson Allen or somebody like that. And you're you're small, but you're running quick. You're getting up the floor. You got shooters, athleticism, because people can hate on Grayson Allen all they want, but that dude can get up and throw it down too. <laughs> and so I think that's where he's going to find success. I don't think Brian's success is going to be as a true backup point guard. I think he is going to have to be um, at times able to be off ball like he was with Schuler this year um, and be ready to to make the right play, which we know that he can but be ready to just kind of fill it up his spare minutes that he's going to get early on in his career. I think that that makes perfect sense. And real quick, uh, Grayson Allen, obviously we have the same first name. So one of my favorite things to do is when he gets into a, um, you know, a hissy fit or does something ridiculous on the court, Twitter starts taking after him and says, you know, I hate Grayson or Grayson sucks or Grayson's such an asshole. One of my favorite things to do is just reply to all those people and just <laughs> ask them why they don't like me. Um, <laughs> but getting back to Bree and Tyree, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, he's someone who, when it, whenever he gets into the league, and I think that will actually be sooner than later, um, he can be a guy that you can look to at the end of the bench and say, hey, we need points now, go. And I think he can do that. Um, that being said, I think he needs a little bit time to work. And that's the thing, you know, like we said, he's a senior. Um, he can come in and be productive as a scorer, but he has to develop the rest of the game. Um, he has to be able to play, like you said, kind of the off-ball – or the on-ball guy, rather, actually. He really needs to work on being the on-ball guy because, like you said, Devontae Schuler brought the ball up a lot. Brian was looked at almost more like a shooting guard in some situations. He needs to develop into a true NBA point guard, and he could do that in the right system. And I think the Grizzlies, um, obviously I can't speak to how he fits in on the roster as well as you can, but the Grizzlies is, is a young team that likes to run. And I think Brian plays right into that. Um, and yes, his scoring prowess could get a look in the mid to late second round. But like we've said, he'll probably go undrafted. He's someone that is going to be so fun to watch in the, the summer league, just kind of, well, if there's a summer league. Um, assuming there is a summer league, he will be fun to watch in the summer league, just like Terrence Davis was a couple of years ago, where he's going to kind of be one of those guys where it's like, all right, he proves it in college. He goes to the NBA. Most fans don't know the name Brian Tyree unless they're huge SEC basketball fans or Ole Miss fans. His name will start to come up um, more often than not in a summer league situation um, where he's able to just dominate some of these lesser level NBA guys. But once he gets to the league and is on an NBA, true NBA roster, he might spend some time in the G League. I could see that happening. But when he gets to a true NBA roster, he'll just have to – there'll probably be a short – it'll be a brief learning curve. It won't be a long learning curve. It It won't take all that much time for him to get up and go. But there will be a learning curve for him to adjust to the NBA level of play versus college where you can just be the primary ball handler. You can breathe the primary shooter. You can just put the team on your back. You can't do that as much in the NBA. And he's going to have to learn how to distribute. He's going to have to learn how to play up. Um, we've talked about his defense just briefly. 
Um, he's actually a better defender, I think, that he gets credit for. He can really, you know, for someone who's not as big of a guard and was kind of guarding a lot of shooting guards in the SEC, um, he can throw, he can, he can set himself well, lock people down when he needs to. Um, but in the NBA, that'll take a month, two months, what have you, um, to really adjust. But either way, you know, Grizzlies or otherwise, Brian Tyree's someone who's being slept on. Um, and I, I say that with all the Ole Miss bias aside, he's a great ball player that is really going to turn some heads when he gets the opportunity. Yeah, and if people remember, Marshall Henderson got a training camp deal with the Sacramento Kings. If, <laughs> sure he, if he can get one, then there is no reason that Brian Tyree shouldn't. And I agree. I think um, summer league, he's gonna he's gonna show out. Um, whoever decides to sign him or whoever decides to draft him and, and you kind of see there, it'd probably, I guess, be more like a fall league this year. Um, but then I, I could see him living uh, G League type. Um, I think the Memphis Hustle would be very smart to take him, being a local product um, from Ole Miss and, uh, and you know, giving him a shot in the G League if somebody in the NBA won't. But I, I, I do agree that it may take a minute, uh, but I don't think it'll take long and he'll prove – just like TD did, uh, that he belongs. Uh, will he get to the point where he's starting in his rookie year like TD? Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I guess it would depend on if he ended up somewhere like on the New York Knicks um, where there's plenty of roster spots to go around or um, <laughs> he ends up on somewhere like Memphis where they're kind of settling in their guard rotation and they're uh, currently a playoff team. So, Grayson, uh, anything you want to add before we, uh, we wrap this thing up? Well, I'm a Knicks fan, so that was a little bit of a low blow. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. We get those a lot. But, no, thank you for having me, Justin. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, who kind of rambles and, and lets it ride. But I hope you enjoyed the journey. No, man, it was great. Uh, I appreciate you having me on again. This is Grayson Weir from RedCupRebellion.com. They are in the family of SB Nation uh, blogs and podcasts. Uh, go check those guys out. It's great content. Um, if you love seeing Twitter wars, just go follow them on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it is a great follow, uh, and so is Grayson. Well, for Grayson, this is uh, Justin Lewis. It's been an episode of the 3 and D podcast. We will uh, get with you guys next week. the right tools for success. A painter needs their perfect brushes, and a climber needs to be able to rely on their harness. And for your work, you need to stay connected. With Slack, teams can help you work better. Slack is a productivity platform that connects all your team members together instantly. It's built to help your team with a host of features like huddles for quick check-ins and clips for recording and sharing video. Slack also makes it easy to search and find the right information you need. You can even integrate the apps you use in your normal workflow, like your calendar or product management tools, so you stay focused on the work that matters and get more done. Learn more at slack.com slash productivity.